welcome to the Eat Well, Age Well podcast. Eat Well, Age Well is a project from Scottish charity Food Tree, and our podcast is all about sharing and discussing how we can support older people in Scotland to eat well, age well and live well. Volunteers Week takes place every year from the 1st to the 7th of June and is one of the most important events in our calendar, as quite simply, without volunteers, Food Tree would not be able to exist. To celebrate, we're releasing a series of episodes where I speak to volunteers from across Food Tree to learn more about their role, their experience, and what they value most about volunteering. On this episode, I chat to Charlotte, a volunteer with Mealmakers, and the friendship she's built with a local older neighbour, Hugh, by bringing him a weekly home-cooked meal. A small note that there is slightly poorer sound quality on this interview as our usual recording equipment wasn't available. Apologies for that in advance, but I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today to talk about your volunteering experience. Um, So first of all, just tell us a wee bit more about yourself, introduce yourself, what's your background and and what do you do outside of volunteering? So uh, outside of this volunteering, I also do other volunteering for the MS Society. Um, I'm a professional musician playing the harp and the piano. I teach five days a week and then gig at the weekends. Um, I live on the south side of Glasgow with my husband and my four-year-old daughter. So um, how did you first hear about Mealmakers? What kind of brought you to that volunteering role? So initially, um, it was actually because of my hate for food waste. So I remember one night thinking, you know, I've got all of these meals that I've made for my husband and my daughter and myself. And often when I look at recipes online, none of them serve three. It's always four or six or eight. It's never three. And I have quite a small freezer and not a lot of room to save um, these kind of leftovers that I have from big meals. I love cooking. Um, I I cook every day, twice a day, you know, I bake as well (laughs) most days. And so I have a lot of leftovers. Um, And I was looking for something to do with the leftovers, but something worthwhile. So I was looking online and and I was looking at food banks, but there was nowhere I could donate cooked meals that I'd done. Um, Apart from uh, this (laughs) meal makers that I came across, so I clicked on, clicked on the website and how do we look through um, the initiative? And I, and I thought, yeah, I quite like what these guys do. Um, so scroll to the bottom of the page where it said, uh, become a meal maker. I thought, right, well, we'll just see how far I can get online. So I clicked on it and then it took me to a page where it, it asked me to kind of write a little bit about what I cook, where I live. Um, and I filled all of this out. And then the next stage was uh, someone from Mealmakers got in touch with me um, to, you know, just to speak a little bit more, to gauge, um, you know, what, why I wanted to do this and what I was hoping to get out of it. Um, a little bit more about the, the types of things that I cooked, just so that they could maybe match me with someone appropriate. Um, and so we, ha- we had a chat and then the next thing was, it was almost like a dating, <laughs> a, like, it was like a dating website where <laughs> you get to scroll through. Um, 
or all the people that are kind of in your area and you get to read their profile. So what they like to eat, you know, what their hobbies are. Um, and so in the end, I noticed there was a man who his profile really stuck out to me, actually. Um, he said he said he liked Freddie Mercury. Now, I can't I can't say I'm a massive Queen fan, um, but that really kind of stuck out to me. And he had lots of things on the list of things that he loved um, to eat, like sausage and eggs and steak pie and haddock and chips and things like that. Um, and it has to be said, they're not a lot of things that I tend to cook regularly, but that could be worked into kind of the meal plan for me. So I thought it was quite important that I picked someone that I got along with if, if I was going to kind of, you know, sustain this. Um, so I kind of clicked on him. And then the next stage was they contacted him, spoke a little bit, a little bit about me. Um, and then it took a few weeks to get my um, disclosure, my disclosure sorted. Um, but once that was done, um, you know, straight away, they phoned and said, would you like to go and see him? So that was great. That was the first one. <laughs> great. And, and when did you first sign up, Charlotte? Um, I think it was just before Christmas. Um, and so obviously that was quite a busy period. And so I didn't actually get started uh, after the disclosure had come through and everything until uh the end of January beginning of February and how quickly were you matched up with your diner then once you know you had all your disclosure checks and all the kind of safety stuff done how how long did it take to actually get matched up um as soon as the disclosure was through pretty much you know that was it um they they phoned and said you know here's his number and you can phone and organize a suitable date for the two of you <laughs> and I feel like we should point out that it, that, that Mealmakers, it isn't a dating service. <laughs> Not <laughs> <that> it, at <laughs> all. <laughs> um, so it's all older people that have signed up as we call them diners. Um, so anyone with Mealmakers their age 55 and over can qualify if they want to sign up as a diner. And generally, they're people that um, probably maybe don't cook as much as home, maybe aren't able to or don't have the cooking skills or just don't have the motivation um, a lot of the time we find that they live alone are quite lonely and we just really benefit from being matched up with a volunteer that could provide a nice home-cooked nutritious meal um, every now and again and a bit of extra company and the social interaction as well and I think that was a great point you made there about when you finally get into the system online and you're able to look through the older people that are in your area that have signed up but it's not just looking at what matches up what kind of things they like to eat with what you cook it was actually looking at the personality as well I think that's a really good point and um, it seems to be that the personality was a wee bit more important than what they actually ate is that right? Absolutely um, I mean, I think I was looking for someone with a bit of personality just because I can talk quite a lot and um, I didn't kind of want it just to be dropping food off at, at the doorstep. It just seemed a bit impersonal to me, um, but Hugh had a lot of character already on his profile. It's not half of what he has in person. <laughs> So, so what was that first meeting like when, um, I'm assuming you maybe gave my wee ring on the phone first and then, yeah. yeah, so what was that first, your first meeting, how did that all come about? 
So I think we kind of broke the ice a little bit on the phone. He was very easy to talk to on the phone. I mean, he, he didn't seem nervous at all about speaking to a new person. Um, it, I think we must have spoken for over an hour on the phone initially. Um, so when we met up in person, you know, it was absolutely fine. We spoke about things that we'd already spoken about on the phone. Um, and I really just let him talk um, for most of it. Obviously, I told him what I'd cooked him <laughs> and I'd take him a little bag each week. And to be honest with you, he never he never even looks in the bag. Um, it's always just about the conversation. So at, he lives in a block of sort of retirement flats um, and he lives on the ground floor and there's a table and chairs in the kind of vestibule area. And he had set the table and chairs out, you know, so they were two meters apart. And we just sat and chatted for, it must have been almost two hours um, on that first visit. Dare I say, I almost couldn't get away because he was, <laughs> he was chatting so much. Um, obviously I was reciprocating. Um, but yeah, I think it was a really comfortable first meeting. Yeah, and I think it's just lovely when you say that you were there for hours, um, you know, having a good chat as well. And I think that's just kind of testament as well of how, you know, maybe especially at times you were kind of paired up during the pandemic as well, obviously all very safely, but how maybe people just crying out to have a bit of a chat and see another human and, and just have some social interaction again. It must have been so important um, for people like you. Absolutely. I mean, he even said to me... Um, since his his uh, wife had passed away um i think it was about eight months before my first visit he was very open and honest and he'd said you know he'd, he'd struggled and he'd he'd been really lonely um the the types of things he'd struggled with obviously the the company but um even things like sorting admin and you know he his wife just did everything i think she did all the cooking all the cleaning um and he was i think he was feeling quite overwhelmed with it all and and he didn't really have anyone to talk to and given the type of character he is he's a really sociable person and of course all of these avenues to kind of socialize like he used to go to the local pub every day and meet his friends and he'd meet a friend and go for lunch with her and things like that they were all just completely cut off um, and so I think the the fact that I was going around even just once a week really made such a massive difference to him. I mean, he would say every time, every time I left, you know, really, I, I appreciate your company. Um, thank you so much. You brightened up my week, you know, all of these things. It's amazing. And it, it is something so simple as just bringing around, coming around with a meal and sometimes we hear that from other meal makers volunteers as well is that the meal is sometimes the excuse for going round um, to, uh, definitely <laughs> yeah and and I think what you mentioned there as well is something that's so common about um older men on their own as well we found that so much with um with the diners that were signing up it was usually people that had been uh you know the partner had passed away and their partner did the majority of the cooking and they just didn't have those skills and kind of really reliant and it was just such a sad scenario but very very common as well which is it's it's amazing when there's kind of wee solutions like this can that can really make a difference um so what kind of things do you cook Hugh then what what do you bring him around is he quite willing to try different things or do you kind of stick to the same thing every week so initially I thought after speaking to people at Mailmakers 
I thought I would stick to the meat and veg, you know, something quite simple. Um, so I, I was doing roast, roast chicken dinners and things, roast lamb, uh, roast beef, and then, you know, vegetables and potatoes on the side. And then I would do maybe um, a traditional kind of uh, dessert. I'd do a kind of bread and butter pudding or a crumble or am I making you hungry? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just see, see, when you said bread and butter pudding, I just went, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It was a, that one was actually pear, a pear and chocolate chip bread and butter pudding. It was really good. Oh, I can see this is what happens. It's like when you hear people that are meal makers, volunteers, it's like, can you please cook for me? I know I'm not like, you know, qualified as old yet, but can you please just cook for me? <laughs> With pleasure, with pleasure. Desserts are my thing. I think probably that's why I always bake an extra thing per week, um, like a cake or something. So I always give him something extra, you know, to have with a a cup of tea for the next day um, as well. So I started off cooking things like that, which was fine. And then I thought, you know what? I think my husband and my daughter would probably eat a steak pie if I made it. Um, so I made that and sure enough, they did. And I made him a, se- a separate little one to take um, in a bowl. Um, and, you know, he never really said much about the food, it has to be honest. <laughs> but then a few weeks after going, we were on the phone and just before we said our goodbyes, he said, oh, um, uh, just remember, um, no vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> And I just laughed to myself because he must have been dying to say that for so long. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've been speaking to him during the week and he says to me, I'm pretty sure that apart from the meals that I cook him, he just lives off bread rolls with meat and then puts them in the microwave because this is what this is what he tells me he eats. And so obviously the meal that I take him, I wanted to be as nutritious as possible. So I'm packing all these vegetables in and he's probably not telling me that he's just, he's just leaving them at the side and only eating, you know, the kind of meat, perhaps potato as well. So um, I got the message there. So since then have cut down the veg, still a nutritious meal, hopefully. Um, and I think he's been a little bit happier with what I've been taking. Uh, but this week, um, this week I am going a bit rogue, actually. I'm, I'm cooking like a, a chicken Milanese with some spaghetti. He said that he likes pasta on the um, on his profile. So hopefully that'll be OK. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and good luck with that as well. But certainly it's <laughs> going to be whatever you're providing is going to be much more nutritious than a roll of meat, you know. Um, and, and again, it's something you'd find as well, diners that, you know, they'd say, maybe this won't happen with you, maybe it will in time, but they would say, oh, no, no, very traditional, I only like these certain things, meat and veg. Um, but gradually, once you know, their, their volunteer have been coming around for a while, they'd be more willing to try different things. Uh, so you never know, maybe you'll get back to eating some veg, <laughs> sneak them in somehow, you never know, <laughs> it might happen. But a really common one was things like... Um, a diner signing up they'd obviously very few would really like curries and spicy foods and um, that would always be like the most common thing people said they didn't like it didn't eat it was much more traditional and then over time you know if they tried some they'd be like oh eyes were opened and they really liked all this different stuff which was great it was a whole new world um so 
so what are the things you enjoy the most about volunteering with Mealmakers? I mean, it sounds like you've got such a lovely relationship with you and there's a real bond in friendship there, which is great. Um, but what, what else is kind of your kind of favourite parts or what do you enjoy most about it? Well, there's quite there's quite a few things that, that I like. The, the first one um, is that my leftovers are going to someone who appreciates them. <laughs> so that's always good. Um, and when I do go and see you, it's that time that I've booked out per week. I have a really chaotic lifestyle. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm super busy every day. I barely ever sit down. But when I go and see Hugh, he's got that table and chairs. And I know that I'm just going to sit down and talk, you know, hear about someone else's week, how, how they've been um, for, you know, one to two hours, depending on how long I've got. And that's quite nice just to know that I've allocated that time to do that and get out, do something else, not running about. Um, and obviously, I like the fact that I'm helping someone else. Um, you know, Hugh, he really relied a lot on his uh, wife to do a lot for him. Um, and the whole cooking side of things is just something that's completely fallen behind, you know, in his life. Um, if it were under different circumstances and, you know, the pandemic hadn't happened, perhaps, you know, I could have gone in and actually gone into the kitchen and, and helped help show him how to do a few things. And maybe, you know, in the future, that sort of thing might help even even show him how to use the oven, you know, <laughs> so he can reheat things just to just to help a little bit more. Um, but I think all of those aspects really are why I, I decided to volunteer to do this sort of thing. Yeah, and and had you much experience, I know this might sound really condescending, but had you much experience working with older people before um, signing up to Mealmakers or uh, that kind of volunteering um, experience? So I have, I have worked with older people, not in a volunteering sense. So um, quite a while ago now, I teamed up with a singer and we used to be part of um, a company called Music and Hospitals, and they used to send us round. Um, so me playing the harp, and with my friend who was a singer, and we used to go around um, care homes, retirement homes, um, and we used to play and kind of do concerts and things. And yeah, we we would stay for a little while afterwards and and talk to the people there. But it wasn't really. I hadn't really done as much one to one um, work with older people. I mean, I phone I phone my own grandma. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, once a week and, and we, I have a long chat with her and, and I love that. Um, I wish I could be closer to see her, uh, you know, more. She lives in Leeds. Um, but apart from that, no, it was it was kind of something, an area that I was probably lacking experience in, but willing, willing to learn. But would you feel there's any kind of common misconceptions um, about older people or, or what kind of things have you learned through working with um, someone like you? I think the main the main concern initially was would we have enough in common to talk about um, and of course that I could tell that wasn't an issue from the very first phone call um, he was very open I mean there was barely space for breath <laughs> you know when he was talking um and so in person I found that with with him in particular um 
it was going to be easy. But I think that a lot of people think, oh, you know, what, what am I going to talk to them about? And they have nothing in common with me um, at all. How, how can we kind of get on or have a conversation, um, you know, if they've got different interests? But actually, it turns out we have quite a few. Um, he's a cyclist. Well, he was a cyclist. He did, you know, huge amounts of cycling, the Tour de France, the stories that he tells me about, you know, cycling from Blackpool up to Glasgow, like it's just a short trip in a day. Oh, you know, I just I just cycled 270 miles and um, all the things he used to do with um, hiking and all the outdoors things. Um, I, I, I like cycling as well. So we initially got talking about that. Um, I, th- I think the yeah that that is a, probably the most common misconception um, with older people. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think um, there is this kind of idea that people just you know see people as old and forget that you know they were younger, they were our age once, and they had a life. <laughs> and I think that was because um, I, I previously used to work at meal makers as well, and I think. That was one of the best parts working there was actually when you got a new referral from an older person and you had a chat with them and just hearing about their lives and you know what they did and everything it would just be absolutely fascinating and I'd much rather talk <laughs> nowadays to an older person because I think they've got far more experience and far more stories and are far more interesting um, and I really I think I think that's the joy of it as well that you kind of see someone and just go oh there's an older person living on their own and they don't really get out very much and we kind of forget that it wasn't always like that and discovering that is just amazing and there's so much to learn as well um so what would you say to anyone that's um you know they may not volunteer before or they're kind of listening to what you said and thinking oh wait actually I cook quite a lot and I could spare an extra portion and that sounds really nice because quite frankly, at this point, after listening to you, I think, God, who wouldn't want to do this? It sounds like so lovely. Um, what would you say to anyone that would maybe be thinking about volunteering? I would just say, go for it. You know, if you if you do cook a lot, it's really a, it's really no extra hassle. If anyone was thinking, oh, you know, I would have to prepare this and that, and it would take all all of this extra time, you know it really doesn't it's one minute for me to write on a post-it how long for you to put something in the microwave for and I'd be portioning it off for my daughter anyway um you know to put portions in the freezer for her um if anything it's um it's it's helping me definitely not waste as much um so if you you are quite concerned with that you know environmentally as well I think it's a, a great option um and just to kind of connect with someone a bit older, they they can teach you a lot and they can kind of make you slow down and, and think about things um, quite differently um, when you can hear, you know, stories about their lives. Um, I would, you know, I would really encourage anyone, anyone who has even one leftover a week to give it yeah. a shot. And I think you made a really good point there as well, was that um, it's actually a really flexible volunteering position as well. Um, Because I imagine that you just say, you know, what day, time and how often you visit uh, Hugh. Is that right? Yes. So what happens is I normally phone Hugh on a Friday. So he knows to expect. I think um, Hugh likes kind of structure. So he likes to know when I'm phoning 
when I'm turning up and then he'll write that in his diary um, and I'll um, put a note in my phone as well but normally I'll go and see him on a Saturday or a Sunday if I'm doing a gig um, then I'll you know I'll phone him and I'll perhaps just stay on the phone for a little bit longer um, just so he can sort of tell me about his week and sometimes even when I phone him he says oh you know don't don't worry about bringing any food this week <laughs> You know, you just come, just come for the chat or, or whatever. Um, I think that kind of defeats the point slightly. So I always turn up with food, but I think that says a lot um, that, you know, I think he relies on the company um, every week quite a bit. Yeah, that's that's something that's so common um, that we find that over time the friendship becomes more important than the food. And we hear that time and time again. It's like, and even sometimes uh, kind of mealmakers pairings, they actually do stop at times bringing around food and they just meet up for the social element um, because that becomes a more important thing, um, which is still still really beneficial as well because we know that if people are kind of socialising more and feel getting that. Uh, interaction that does kind of improve appetite anyway and people feel a bit more encouraged to eat as well um so yes yeah, so it, it is a really common thing that the friendship and, the, and ultimately that is the most important thing as well um so is there any other kind of wee anecdotes you'd like to share about Hugh or anything like that or do you feel there's anything we haven't covered or mentioned um that you'd like to share maybe one nice little anecdote that you Go you might it. quite like this <laughs> So after, I think it was perhaps my fourth or fifth visit to Hugh, he'd been telling me how he used to do a lot of photography, um, particularly when he was married to his second wife. And they used to go off, it was an interest that they shared together. And he actually took part in competitions. Um, and I believe he was quite successful with photography. Um, uh, won, won quite a lot of prizes and things so I, I'd obviously asked him do you have anything that you can show me and he said you know unfortunately when my wife died um, it, it was just too much to keep all of the kind of cameras and the, the slides and and things like that and so he completely got rid of all of it um, which it sounds like you know a massive shame um, but I think that was just his his way of dealing with it and you know that's okay um, anyway, on this fifth visit that I turned up, he came out of his flat with a, with a little plastic bag and he opened it and he had a few photos um, and one of him when he married his second wife um, and um, one of her, I think it was when they were um, on their boat together. And the other thing that he had in the bag was a very small old uh, photo slide and he brought a magnifying glass out with it so that I could see because it really was tiny and I, I wouldn't have been able to see without. And so I, I held the slide and the magnifying glass and I held it up to the light to see. Um, and it was a picture of his wife um, at, the, at the Clyde. Um, and I think they were burning some sort of containers and it was, it was like she was stood next to this big bonfire and it almost looked like an oil painting, um, this, this photo, it was amazing. And he said, I found this and I must have, you know, forgotten to throw this one away. It, you know, I threw everything else away. This is the only one that exists of, of her. And I've got, he said, you know, I've got loads of photos of my third wife. Um, I, I really have nothing of my, my second wife. Um, 
but th- but this little slide. So I thought in my head, there must be a way to get what's on that slide in a photo print, even though it's kind of really old and um, I didn't really know much about how to do it. So just whilst we were chatting, I got my phone out and must have looked a bit rude, but I was, <laughs> I was Googling how to convert a photo slide into a digital print. And sure enough, there's an app for everything and it just came up. <clears throat> so it said to hold my phone um, with the photo slide up to the light, so up to natural light, like the window. And there was a big window behind us. Um, and I held it up and I took a photo and on my phone, it came up as the print. So I thought this was amazing. Um, and I showed him on my phone. I said, look, look what it looks like. And he said, wow, I mean, you couldn't believe that you could do the, these sorts of things now. So I didn't say much after that. I kept the photo on my phone and I gave him the slide back and, you know, we said our goodbyes. And I went home and I use uh, kind of photo printing um, websites quite a lot. So I get quite a lot of prints done and I just sent it off to a photo printing website. It's got digital prints and got a frame. And then the next time I went to see him, I took it wrapped up. This, uh, it was an eight by 10 uh, photo and I took it wrapped up for him. And he didn't actually open it initially. I don't know what he thought I'd brought him in addition to the food in an extra plastic bag. Um, <laughs> He he put it inside the plant. He said, oh, oh, I'll open that, you know, I'll open that later. And I thought, you know, that's fine because, uh, you know, when he sees it, I, I don't want him to, to be too, too emotional <laughs> that he's not comfortable with it. So, so I left that and we, we had, you know, a nice chat for the hour or so, gave him the meal. And then a few hours later, I got a phone call from him and he said, oh, that was such a lovely thing to do. And thank you so much. And, I, you know, I'll never forget this. And I just thought that, you know, that really made it worthwhile just being able to do something like that for someone when they just wouldn't have ever thought that it was possible. You know, it's just such a small thing as well. Such is such a lovely, lovely story. Um, and it's yeah, it's stuff like that you just can't capture you know and you you know you actually get talking to people and and the relationships that have been developed through this this project as well it's all these little extra stories that are just absolutely just beautiful and just you know just completely warms your heart so thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have feel so like happy now and uplifted so i'm gonna have like the nicest day in such a good mood <laughs> honestly this has just been uh, the nicest chat. <laughs> uh, as I said, it's just been so uplifting. I hope everyone listening feels the same way. Um, and yeah, just to say thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us. Uh, I feel like Hugh has been sort of here with us in spirit as well. Um, and obviously we'll have links to uh, mealmakers and things in the show notes, but it, uh, the website is mealmakers.org.uk for anyone that is interested in volunteering. Um, or if you feel there's someone, uh, an older person, that might really benefit from the service as well they can be referred uh, through the website or there's contact details there so just give them a wee phone or an email get in touch and they'll give you some more information um but just to say thank you again so much charlotte it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today my pleasure thanks very much for listening 
The Eat Well, Age Well podcast is hosted and produced by me, Danielle Gray, and I work as the Digital Communications Officer for Food Train. Links to Mealmakers and Food Train are in the show notes, as well as links to more information about Volunteers Week. If you have any queries about this episode or would like more information about us, then please email hello at eatwellagewell.org.uk. Make sure to check out the other podcast episodes we have available, including our other interviews for Volunteers Week. And thanks again for your support. Thank you.